Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. It's there, but you can't see it. Why is this room so cold? You're home alone. You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. You feel a presence. Is someone or something watching you? And the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Well, this happened back, it started back in 1987 with me, because that's when I moved to California and, and um, I met my husband and married him. So I didn't come into the story until 1987, but there are things happened before that, but I can't attest to them because I wasn't with them. So I can't tell you if they were true or not, just hearsay. Okay. Uh, but 1987, things started to happen. And for after, the, I called him Mr. Entity. When he left, till my husband and my mother-in-law died, we never spoke about it. We made, we told each other we would not bring it up. We would not talk about it, partly because my mother-in-law was very frightened that it would bring it back. So we kept it secret for over 25 years, never spoke about it. Now, when my mother-in-law died and my husband passed away, <clears throat> I found in the closet a box of pictures we had documented the haunting for the six years that he was here. We had thrown a lot of most of the stuff away because people that would come to try to help us would tell us it was like a, a, a yo-yo. One person would say, now document everything, take pictures of everything so we know what's happening. They couldn't help us. So then the next person would come and they'd say, I want you to get rid of all the pictures, all the documentation because by – Doing this, you're keeping it here. So then we throw everything away. Well, when Mr. Entity finally left, I thought we had thrown everything away. Uh, my husband had saved pictures, which I didn't know about. So after he died and I was cleaning the closet, I found the box of pictures. Now, these were only a few pictures. That's like 300 pictures. But that was only a few compared to what we had taken over the years. But at that time... I was free to tell everyone what had happened because although this was an absolutely terrifying thing that happened, I was never afraid of it. So I wanted I wanted to tell everybody what had happened. It would be the first time I was able to even tell my children, who were adults at that time, what had happened. They didn't even know. We had never even told them what was going on at that time. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I discussed with them. I showed them the pictures. I told them everything that happened, and I told them, I really want to tell everybody what, you know, to explain this situation because I think people need to know that there are things that go bump in the night. I mean, you need to know about this. So we agreed uh, to, to have the book written about it. Wow. Well, I want to say 
that I find you to be a very courageous woman. And um, I appreciate you telling the story because, I mean, this is what I happen to do for a living is talk about these types of experiences. But this is very, very educational and it's therapeutic. You, it's therapeutic it for you. So that's more important, of course. It, is. It, it actually does. It makes me feel good to to tell people about this. Absolutely. Now, I want to ask you, prior to this happening to you, Deborah, did you or your family experience any anything paranormal at all? Well, a couple of things, but, you know, at the time they didn't see, other than I did see a ghost. But other than that, there there were one time my, my sister and I were driving in a car, and we had a disconnected phone in the car. It was just a phone we were transporting from one place to another, and it started ringing. Oh, wow. That was strange. And uh, like I said, I did see a, a ghost at Fort Oswego. But other than that, no. I mean, the paranormal to me were, was something that you saw on TV or, were you know, in the movies. It was like fantasy. I didn't – I really – I wasn't a believer or non-believer. I was kind of open to it. Like most people, I think. I mean, people watch it and don't feel about it one way or the other. Um, so I totally understand your point of view. Now, uh, your connection with Joey Albert, how did that come about exactly? Actually, I, I didn't even know Joey. Uh, a friend of mine, Steve Reduff, who's a writer and an actor, he was having a book written. And he said, she is a, a ghostwriter. She will she will write things for you. And I wanted this to be put in print. So I contacted her and we spoke about it. And I hired her to write the story. So I gave her all the information, and, and we sat down and talked, and I showed her the pictures. Because the pictures are, are absolutely you, – you have to see the pictures to believe them. So then she, she wrote it, and uh, she went on a few radio stations with me, and very nice lady. But um, she never experienced anything, but she did document it for me. Wow. You guys, um, you can learn more about this case and see photos and even better buy this book because I guarantee you it's going to be one of the most frightening tales of any haunting that you've ever heard. And to do that, all you got to do is go to a deadly dot com. Now, um, right off the bat, did you feel like Joey would be the best one to tell your story? you know what? I don't know if I can actually say that. I just, I think I was so excited just to tell the story that I just wanted it written. So I, maybe there would have been someone better out there that had had knowledge or previous experience with the paranormal that wrote it, would write it on a different perspective. But I think I just wanted it written. So, and she was a very nice lady. So and she had qualifications of being a writer. So I think that was more why I I chose her than anything else. Well, not to say anything bad about Joy, because she did a wonderful job, by the way. However, most people, especially with a story um, such as yours, they want to shop different authors, and you chose her right off the bat. But, um, you know, that's great. I just wanted to get your mindset. You know what I think that. it was? I don't think I was there thinking, well, which one's going to make me the most money? You know, who can get the – I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking, who can get this story out and let people understand what went on? Right, right. Okay. That's, that's why I chose her. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Just to be clear now, you were not there at the beginning of this ordeal, correct? Correct. Okay, so let's start with what you learned that had been happening prior to your arrival, if you don't mind. No, just a few things because they didn't get into it much. I arrived in 1987. Um, before that, there had been things happening, like uh, their grandmother had died, and um, things happened after she died. Um one thing, especially, this is the thing that I remember Bill talking about because it, it, my husband was petrified of the paranormal, so this always stuck in his head. Um, they hired a, a Guatemalan housekeeper for my um, mother-in-law's mother. That was my husband's grandmother. They lived right next door to each other, okay. my mother-in-law's family and her mother. Uh, they hired – she had the mother – grandmother had a stroke so they hired a guatemalan housekeeper um she didn't speak english nice she was a very nice lady i don't think anything at least i don't know i didn't know her but i don't think that anything happened that she did this maliciously i think it just it happened because she was trying to keep the grandmother alive she practiced from what we can understand a form of uh, magic uh santeria and when the grandmother was dying and she was going to lose her job, she was going to have to leave the country, and she didn't want to. So I think, we think, from what we've we've heard, that she uh, practiced Santeria to try to keep the grandmother alive. Uh, why we think that is because when the grandmother died, my mother-in-law and <clears throat> husband went up to the, the house to clean it. They were going to rent it out, and they found all over the house um, – different strange symbols of uh, melted candles, blood, different sayings. And so, so, and broken rosary beads, that was something they found all over. Okay. So from the experts that had came and we explained this to, they believe she practiced Santeria. Now the night the grandmother died in the hospital, they came back that night. The, uh, uh, the housekeeper went to the house she lived in. And my mother-in-law went to their own house, and in the middle of the night, she called up screaming that she needed help. And so my husband and uh, his cousin, Andy, who was down from uh, up north for the for the grandmother being ill, ran up to the house to see what was going on. When they got there, she was coming out of the door, and there was a like an orb chasing her. It was like coming right at her. And my husband said they just stood there and watched it, and it— if she came out of the house, it went at her and then veered away and went up into the sky and just dissipated. But she ran down the street screaming till she got to my mother-in-law. And when she got to the my mother-in-law's house, she told my mother-in-law how sorry she was. She said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but don't don't go into that house ever again. Don't go into the house. There's something bad there now. So wow. within two hours, someone came to pick her up. And my husband and Andy got her things from the house, and she left, and they never saw her again. So your husband and his cousin witnessed some type of light or orb chasing her out of the house, literally? Yes. Wow. Did your husband seem frightened when he told you about the light uh, chasing? Uh, he, my husband, my husband pure anything Paranormal really scared him. When he told me about it, 
he didn't seem frightened. It was like a, a memory that that you know really impressed him. That left a, a lasting impression on him. Did they go back in the house after that happened? They they that night they just went back in to get her things because she had them all packed ready to go. So she they took her things down to the house, but. After that, it was like a couple weeks before they went in because of, you know, funeral arrangements and everything. So it was a few weeks before they went back into the house to clean it, to to rent it out. And that's when they found all the the paraphernalia. So your husband, you you obviously were not there and your husband told you this. Did you think that there was something off about that? Uh, I thought, well, that was strange, you know. Uh, I didn't. At the time, I never even heard of Santeria. Okay. So, so what she was I didn't doing know what it, was going on it just sounded kind of strange. Right. Well, it sounds like mm-hmm. she really didn't know what she was doing. I, mm-hmm. hate to, I hate to say it like that, but um wow. Unbelievable. Okay, so um I heard you say you said that the the orb actually chased her out of the home. Did anything else or any other paranormal activity happen after that? Well, they stayed away from the house for a while, so they weren't weren't near that house. But uh, he didn't. That was the thing he brought up and mentioned. Other than that, little things he said, like the radio turning on and off, little things, but nothing that made any impression on me. Okay, so how much time passed between this event and the time you entered the picture? She died in '84, and uh, Bill and I married in '87 beginning of 87. Okay. And so you, there was like three years. Three years. Okay. And um, how many homes exactly were on this property? Uh, it was, well, it's two to three lots, but there were two houses. Uh, my mother-in-law's house, then there was an empty lot, and then the grandmother's house. I'm curious to know if there were any other homes near these homes. Uh, there was another empty lot on the other side of the grandmother's house, and then another house. Um, this was on a corner. So it was like this. An empty lot, my mother-in-law's house, an empty lot, the grandmother's house, an empty lot, another house. All right. So now let's let's okay. go to 1987 when you arrived. At okay. The- now, my, my husband had a, a bad heart condition. So when we first got married, we decided to live with his mother and father. I absolutely adored his mother. She was a wonderful woman. So we lived, the four of us lived together in uh, the one house, and they rented out the house, the grandmother's house. Um, then my husband had a house. Just, just to be clear, your house was the middle house, the one you lived in, correct? Do you know what? I, I made a mistake. It was, <laughs> I forgot about my aunt, his aunt's house. Okay. It was an, here's how it went. It was an empty lot, my my husband's aunt's house, then my mother-in-law's house, then an empty lot, then the grandmother's house. Okay. I forgot I forgot all about my <laughs> my husband's aunt's house. He inherited that house. She died um before the grandmother died. Okay. And uh he inherited the house. Uh he didn't live in the house, he rented it out. Okay. So when when I came, we were we were going to rent the house out. So we rented it to a young man. My husband was a collector. He collected sports memorabilia. He had a very large collection. So he had one of the rooms in his house. He never lived in the house, but one of the rooms he had dedicated to his sports collection, he kept it locked. He, uh, we rented out to this young man 
Uh, it was like renting the room, but he had the run of the whole house because nobody lived there. It was just his bedroom, and then he could use the rest of the house. The only uh, thing was he could not go into this one room, but it was locked anyway, so he shouldn't have been able to get into and it. And this is the house that your grandmother lived in, correct? No, this is my the aunt's house. See, that's right. Okay, I your aunt's house. Okay. I forgot to tell you about it. One day, this is after we've been married for like three or four months. Uh, up until that time, nothing had happened, as quiet as could be. We went next door. Uh, my husband, you know, the gentleman knew we would come in and out of the house to check on the sports collection. We came in the house. Everything was nice. The man was very neat, very clean. Uh, we went to the room. It was locked. He opened it. When we opened the door, all my husband's bobbleheads, he had a collection of sports bobbleheads of the teams. Mm -hmm. They were arranged on the floor in a gigantic triangle. Someone had taken them off the, the shelves and arranged them in the shape of a gigantic triangle on the floor. Okay. Well, of course, my husband thought this guy got into the room and he was messing around with his sports things. When I, when I came to, in 87, this gentleman, was his name was Monty. He had already rented the grandmother's house and was living there. Okay. Now, his son didn't come till like three or four months after I arrived. So when I got there, it was just Monty there. Tell me about the strange things that they saw the son when he moved into that home, some of the strange things that he was doing. Oh, yeah. he, he, when we first met him, he seemed like a very nice young man, quiet, and very, but nice. You know, he seemed normal. Uh, then, <laughs> like a few weeks later, after he was living there for a while, uh, my mother-in-law was walking the dog by the house, and she looked, and he was planting in the backyard of this house trees but he wasn't planting the trees normally he had dug holes and he planted the trees upside down wow and when she went she was going to confront him and say you know what are you doing she said but when she went near him he looked at her and he just stared and his eyes looked just black and so she said i'm not even going to confront him she said she felt threatened so she just kept right on going and never, never, she said she really didn't care. You know, she didn't want to be bothered with it. If he, she thought maybe he'd been on drugs or something because you try to look for normal explanations for things. That's Your first thought isn't, oh, this is paranormal. Your first thought is, oh, maybe he has a mental problem or maybe he is taking drugs. So that's where your mind goes first. That's very true. That's, that's very, very true. And I wanted to ask you about the, the father of this guy had asked if someone had died in the home, correct? Right. He asked my husband, he said, did somebody die here? And my husband told him, no, uh, uh, my grandmother died in the hospital. She didn't buy, die here. Then he tried to explain to my husband that he had been using a Ouija board. Oh, no. He said, and he had been speaking to someone in the house. But my husband didn't want, didn't want to hear any of it. He said, well, that's your business. I don't really want to know about it. So that's his, he didn't give us any more information because my husband didn't want to know about it. Did your husband tell him about what happened in the house? No. My husband never discussed anything that went on in that house with, him, with anyone. Now, the son that was behaving strangely, did you ever meet him? I met him when he first moved in. And like I said, he seemed like a pleasant enough young man. He was about 20, 22 years old, quiet, but, you know, it seemed quite normal. When did you start to experience 
these strange events and what exactly happened to you personally? Well, like I said, the triangle, that was the first one. But at the time, like we, I told you, we didn't think it was paranormal. It was just something someone did. Then things starting happened, started to happen that there were no explanation for. We started to get a port. Now, you must be very familiar with that word. Yes, I am. When things okay, move so from one we started to get a port right. in my mother-in-law's bedroom on her chest where I told you she had the statues where she used to pray every night before she went to bed. We started to get items that didn't belong to us, started to, she'd wake up in the morning and they'd be on her chest. Things that we, and so she would, she first said to us, are you guys putting this stuff on my chest? What's going on? We said, we have anything to do with it, you know? Nobody in the house had touched any of the things on her chest because that was her, like her little place where she prayed. So things were moving, things were moving from one, literally moving from one place to the other. Right. There was a pair of men's briefs on one of her statues. There were receipts, socks, uh, all different things that that finally we realized because one of the receipts had the gentleman's name on it. We realized that we were getting things from his house, the house next door that we were renting to the young man. Not not the gentleman with his husband or his his son, but the other side, in the aunt's house, we were getting things that belonged to him, appearing up next to my mother-in-law's bed. And one of the items we would appear there was a very nice watch. Now we couldn't go down to the gentleman and say, "Oh, by the way, we have your watch at, your, at our house." You know, how could you even approach that? So we thought. First of all, we were completely stymied. We had no idea what was going on. Then we decided, well, we better take the watch back because this is his. So we just took it back and put it in the house and hoped that he would think he just put it somewhere else and forgot it for a while. But that was the, that was really, like I said, the first thing was the triangle, but you could rationalize that. This, there was no rational answer for. Then we went down and over... Now, this was just over the light switches in the house. Everywhere there was a light switch, someone had taken and looked like with a crayon and drew triangles with tails and other different strange symbols over every light switch in the house. Oh, wow. Now, we thought this gentleman maybe has a problem, you know, so we confronted him. Why are you writing on the walls? He said, I didn't do that. He said, I didn't, I've never written on your walls. Well, like two days later, he tells us, this was on like a Thursday. He said, I'm going to be moving out. And by Sunday, he was gone. He never gave us a reason why he left. He just was gone. So now the house was empty. So we had to come up, go through it and clean it to re-rent it. Because, you know, at the time, we didn't think anything bad was happening. It was just strange occurrences. So we went up to the house. Actually, down because it was down from the house. We went down there. I remember coming in. My husband went to the room with the the sports memorabilia to check it out. I was in the living room just looking around, you know, saying what had to be cleaned. And I looked up. In the living room, there was a shelf. It's a long living room. And the shelf towards the top of the ceiling runs the whole length of the living room. You'd have to get on a ladder to put things up on the shelf. And I looked up there and thought, oh, that needs to be dusted. And I just turned my eyes for a minute towards the other room. I looked back, 
And every single object that was on that shelf, there was a lot of knickknacks, was turned backwards in, the, in a blink of an eye. From the time it took me to move my head and move it back, everything was backwards. And I remember calling my husband out to see it. And he looked up, and when he saw them, they were backwards because that's where they were turned. And he said to me, you just didn't see it right to begin with. I mean, he didn't believe. He said, you just, when you looked, you didn't see they were backwards to begin with. But I knew. I knew what I had seen. But I didn't want to, you know, argue about it. So I said, okay, maybe. But that was <laughs> that was right within a split second that happened. What was going through your mind when you saw that, I mean, because had it been me, honestly, <laughs> I probably would have burned rubber out of there. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't. I mean, at the time I first looked and then I thought, was he right? Did I see it like that to begin with? But I knew I didn't. I knew they had been switched in a, in a, in a flash. And so I would just, just, I remember just thinking, what's going on in this house? It didn't scare me because when you went into the house, when you were in the house at this time, there was no feeling of, of hostility or danger. It was just a, a nice house, average house, that some strange things were happening in. But that es- did escalate. Uh, we went home. A couple of days later, we came back with stuff to clean the house. Um, we opened the front door, and some furniture from one room, I think it was dining room furniture, was it a lamp? Some furniture from one room had been moved to the mi- middle of the living room. I know that's right. There was a one lamp. There was another lamp sitting right in the middle of the floor. And my husband said, "Uh oh, someone's been in the house." And he went and checked all the doors. Everything was locked. No one could have gotten in. But things had been moved from room to so, room. So, so your husband at this time had no clue. He had he hadn't seen anything besides the orb chasing her out of the house at this right, point. That was right. the only thing he had experienced. Okay. All right, go ahead. Um, I said, what if something's in the house? I remember thinking at the time, something is going on here, Bill. And I remember saying to him, Bill, something's going on here. Nobody could have gotten in the house and moved this. So I remember saying, just talking out into the open, I remember saying, if someone's here, move something to let me know you're here. And you know, nothing happened. So we went into the kitchen minute or two later, we came back out, and a dining room chair had been moved from the dining room to the middle of the, of the living room floor. So at that time, my husband realized, yeah, something strange was going on. And for the next, like, 10, 15 minutes, I remember it almost became like a game. It was a dangerous game I didn't realize at the time, but it was a game because I wasn't frightened, and it was like, look what's, look what's happening. It's like, can you imagine saying to something, move something, and turning around and something's moved? I mean, it's like at first you think, I can't believe this is happening, and then it's like, what's happening? It's like I'm absolutely amazing. I and totally it would agree. Move things. I would say, I'm going to go in the kitchen, move. I'd point to something and say, move that. I'd come back in, it'd be moved to a different spot. So it was something there that understood me and communicated by moving things. My husband, at this time, was ready to go. He said, I'm not staying in the house. We have to go. I can't stay here. Now, I'm I'm curious to know, did the father and son living still in uh, in that other home, did they ever tell you about any other disturbances that they were experiencing there? No. The only thing that he ever brought up was that he spoke to someone on a Ouija board. Um, 
did that not concern you at all? Because he, it sounds like he may have opened up something even worse in that home. Now, now that you know, when we think about it, we went back and and and, and understood what was going on. Yes, but at the time, it was like oh, I didn't even know. I understood what a Ouija board was, but I thought it was a toy. I didn't realize it really, it really did things. It wasn't like now when there's so, you know, there's so many things about paranormal on TV and movies that you have more of an education about the paranormal and you understand things more. Back then in the 80s, I mean, when you talked about a Ouija board, it was a toy. It wasn't something that really opened up communications to another realm. Right. So when he said he talked to someone on a Ouija board, my husband, yeah, I didn't want anything to know about it, but to me, it just didn't mean anything. Deborah, I have to say that just your mindset at this point in time is, to me, is amazing because a lot of people have been absolutely frightened and would probably leave at that time because you, with your own eyes, saw something move like a, ch- a chair, an object as mm-hmm. big as a chair just appear out of nowhere on command. That is amazing. You know, it was... To me, it wasn't frightening. To me, it was like my mind said, this is something going on. I have to understand it. I have to know what's going on. I'm not frightened of it. Did you try or think about or talk about trying to consult with someone to get some help or try to find out what was going on at this point? Well, you know, like I said, it wasn't threatening at that time. We didn't think it was anything, you know, to worry about that it wasn't harming us in any way. And then things started to happen because no one was living in that house. Things started to happen in the house we were living in. Not threatening things, just things moving around. See, I like to turn things backwards. You'd look, all the pictures would be backwards. So my mother-in-law was, like my husband, petrified of this kind of things. Um, She became very frightened of what was going on. My husband was frightened. But we would say to her, I would say to her, well, let's try to find someone that understands this. She would say, no, people will think we're nuts. We're not going to, I don't want anything to do with people knowing this is going on. She just didn't want, she wanted to keep it private. She wouldn't let us talk to anybody at that time about what was going on. We are at the point now where you have just commanded this entity to make something appear or move or whatnot and the chair just appears out of nowhere let's pick it up from there it actually doesn't appear out of nowhere it just we turn your it never did anything very few things it did a few times but most of the time is when you either moved your eyes or turned your back for a second and then it would be there you didn't actually, wow, the chair appeared. It would be like you closed your eyes or... Okay, okay. Another, so it, it you there. wouldn't actually see it happen. You would turn your head and then it would be there. Right. It never, right. Only a couple times did I actually witness things in movement. Most of the time, it just appeared when you didn't look for a second. Okay, all right. Uh, so like I said, it would, it would make the things move in the house on command. Uh, my husband wouldn't stay in the house. He said, let's leave. He couldn't be there. He's too frightened. So we left. Uh, We didn't go back to the house for a while. Things started happening in the house we were in. Things I told you, moving, things. My mother-in-law and husband, at this time, were very nervous about it. Then everything kind of stopped. I mean, everything kind of calmed down. It was like like waiting. You got a feeling like something was just sitting back waiting. But nothing bad was happening. So we decided, my husband decided, okay, everything seems to have stopped. Let's rent the house out again. So we rented it out to a couple, and uh, an, an older gentleman and a younger woman. 
uh, her name was Michelle. I can't remember his name at the moment, uh, but they were they were nice. I used to see them. They used to come out of the house, and I would talk to Michelle periodically. And then I started to notice that Michelle wasn't around. And then one time I saw her out kind of hiding, and I said, what's in the bushes? I said, Michelle, what's going on? Are you all right? And she said that since they moved into this house, her boyfriend had changed. He had become kind of mean and hostile, and he started hitting her. So I told her, you know, you have to get away from him. You know, just leave, or I'll take you to some place where it's safe. She said, no, don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. Okay. Well, um, I, then all of a sudden, she was completely gone. Two weeks went by. I didn't see her. And I saw the gentleman, her boyfriend, out in the, in the yard. And I said, where's Michelle? He said, oh, Michelle left. She's gone. And I was going to ask him more about it. But he had this kind of presence about him. It was like, the conversation's done. Don't bother me anymore. Okay. So how much time? Okay. How much time passed before you talked to this young lady and she started saying they were having some issues. How long did they live there at that point? Probably a month, a month and a half. All right. All right. So, um, she leaves, you haven't seen her anymore, correct? Right. All right. So then what happens? Um, then he said he's leaving. So we said, fine. Uh, we went and checked the house after he left and it was spotless. I mean, he had clean bleach. Every, the house was perfect. We were going to rent it out again, but we decided to wait a little while. Uh, I went out while I was working in the yard one day and next door I heard someone knocking at the door and I went over and said, Hey, they, they left. There's nobody living here now. He said, do you know where he went? I said, no, I don't. He said, well, you heard what happened to Michelle. (coughs) Excuse me. I said, no, I haven't heard about Michelle. He said, they found Michelle beaten to death and rolled in a rug in a landfill. Wow. And I said, I I didn't hear anything about it. I didn't know what was going on. And then in my mind flashed, you know, how she had told me he was mean to her and beating her. And I thought, oh, my goodness, did he do this? Did did something happen here? So I remember going back and telling my mother-in-law and my husband what he said. And I I had never read anything about it in a newspaper or anything. So I don't know if it was actually true. And my husband, who was a... He was a, I mean, he read three newspapers a day, news. He said, I never heard anything about it. So I don't think it's, it really happened. But I don't know if it happened or not, because it didn't have to happen in our city. It could have been they found her someplace else. So I can't tell you that she really was murdered, because I don't know if that was real or not. It's just what the gentleman told me. Yes, but didn't you say something about the rug was missing from your home, correct? Oh, yeah. The, the only thing missing from the house, the house was, like I said, was in perfect shape, but the one rug, a throw rug was missing. That's what, that, I think that was the thing that upset me the most because I thought, is this the rug she was wrapped in? Well, I'm trying to understand your state of mind here, okay? Because um, most people would have at least tried to maybe call the police and try to see, hey, this couple lived at my home. I heard that something happened to one of our tenants. I need to report this. You know, this is, I would have. I, if it was up to me, that's what I have done. Now, my mother-in-law's family was involved with the, with the mafia. So my mother-in-law wanted nothing to do with the police. That was one of the problems. She did have nothing to do with the police. So when I suggested we call the police and just ask what was going on, it's no, she would have nothing to do with them. 
she had been taught since she was a child, you don't get involved with the police. So I wasn't allowed to ask. I wasn't, you know, it was just a drop subject. Okay, so what did you decide to do after this guy moved out of the house? Uh, we decided not to rent the house anymore. Even if even if it was not true or was true, it was like maybe something's going on in that house that we shouldn't expose people to. Was your husband thinking that something was very wrong in that home? Yes. Okay. He He was afraid of this house. He wanted nothing to do with the house. And during this time, because of all these things going on, and not just because of that, but because we had decided to stay together, the four of us live together, we were going to sell the houses, all the houses there, and move to a bigger house in the ranch, upper, upper ranch, Cucamonga, which we did. Um, two reasons. One was we were going to move we were anyway, but with this stuff going on, I think it expedited the matter. I think my mother-in-law wanted to go quicker. So we decided to move. So why rent out the house when we were going to, to be moving anyway? That was my, my husband, but my husband wasn't going to rent it out anyway because he just didn't know what was going on and he didn't want to expose any more people to it. Okay. All right. So let's go back to the home where the father and son lived. What was happening there during this time? During this time, it was, oh, like I said, other than the son being very strange and walking around the property and, and doing strange things, uh, it was quiet, but then Monty died, okay. and Monty Monty passed away, and we told the son he had to leave. I remember Bill went up and told him, and he said that 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 man has something wrong with him. There's something strange with this man. But his mother came and got him, and he was gone like within a week's time. So now both houses on either side of us are empty. I'm wondering if you ever had any conversations with his son. Um, well, prior to him moving out after his father I never passed. Spoke to, the only time I ever spoke to the young man was when he was moving in. Other than that, I never spoke to him. Okay. All right. So I'm trying to see if his um, his personality uh, changed and was very noticeable to anyone in your you family. You know, I really didn't have enough evidence to base anything on. I didn't really know him before and I didn't know him after. It was just like I saw him once in a while. The only one that really came into contact with him a few times was my mother-in-law, and she didn't want anything to do with him. She thought he was something was wrong with him. So, Well, it's pretty scary to know that someone that at first you think is very normal, and then you walk by the house and you look back there, and he's planting trees upside down. But that is so bizarre. That's, That's wicked. What, That's wicked yeah. scary right there. Yeah. Wow. All right, so eventually you decided to move, correct? To move, we decided we found a house uh, in El Saloma, that's Upper Ranch Cucamonga. I bought the house and put the houses on the on the corner and the lots for sale. We had them for sale. Uh, during this time, we moved slowly because we, you know, we had both houses. There was no hurry to move. Uh, we started taking things up to the new house and taking furniture and things, and. During this time, everything stopped again. Nothing was happening. Everything was quiet. But it was a different kind of quiet. It was almost like you were waiting for something to happen. You were waiting for the other shoe to drop, that type of feeling. Uh, the last day we were down there, uh, my, it was just my mother-in-law and myself. And this was during the daytime. Uh, my mother-in-law and I were going through the house to make sure we had everything we needed. We had like one last box in her bedroom. We went in to get the box, her and I, 
and we heard from the kitchen. It was almost, it almost sounded like an explosion. It was like cracking and wood breaking. And so, I mean, we both rushed to the kitchen and all the cupboards in the kitchen, the wooden cupboards had been ripped off. It was like someone just took them and ripped them off the walls. And all over the floor was the wooden pieces of the cupboards. <laughs> we were both in shock. We both, we couldn't, we didn't know what happened. Then we heard like glass exploding when we ran back to the bedroom and all the windows in the bedroom had been blown out. It wasn't like someone threw something at a window and the glass was in the room. It was outward. And I remember, I remember for some reason, I remember Becky bending over and picking up that last box and grabbing my mother-in-law by the arm. And we both ran out of the house to the car. Now, was your husband there during this time? No, that was just my mother-in-law and myself. We were just we were doing like a final walk through the house to see was there, was there anything else we forgot that we had to take. And my mother-in-law was almost in shock. She was scared to death, shaking. Unbelievable. And, Unbelievable. Yeah. This thing, this entity was starting to show some very right. violent was, poltergeist right. activity. It was starting to show its true colors, what it, what it could do. Up until that time, to me, it had been, like I said, it was almost like a game. Look, I can move this. Look, I can do this. I can make things. It was like magic, you know. But now it became that hostility, that anger was manifesting. Well, it sounds like at first it may have been trying to lure you in, captivate you. And you were trying to move out, so it clearly was not very happy about that. No, it wasn't. Uh, we moved up to the new house, and at first, like, say, for the first two, two, three weeks, everything was quiet as could be. Now, during this time, uh, like I said, we were selling the property down at the other, at, on Arrow. And my mother, at the, when she came up here, she was rather depressed, was kind of sad, moving, all this and everything. And she, she was a real gardener. She, she Down at the, at the old place where we lived, she had all kinds of flowers, and they were beautiful. So she really, she wanted to go down to the old house and get the flowers and things and bring them up to the new house and plant them. And she was afraid to go down. So I remember uh, I said, well, we'll go, I'll go with you because she wouldn't go in the house. She would not go in the house. But I said, well, come on, we can go down. It's daytime. It's in the middle of the day. There's, it's a busy street. We won't go in the house. We'll just dig up the plants, put them in the car, and come back to the house. So she said she agreed to it. So we went down to the old house, and she was on the side of the house digging up a plant. I was a little bit towards the back. They had, they had a shed there with a uh, – it was a wooden shed, but it had like a plastic roof. And I was back there looking at the different plants there. And I turned and I looked at my mother-in-law, and there was she, – she kind of gave a little cry of pain. And as I saw that – her body actually kind of lifted like someone had kicked her very hard. And I remember rushing over to her and she said, someone just kicked me. And I, I remember I looked at her, she looked at me. And as we stood there, it started, it's like it almost started to rain like little stones, little pebbles. Wow. And, I, and she and I ran to the little shed because she wasn't going to go in the house. We went to the little shed. And I remember standing in the little shed and hearing the stones hitting the roof. Now, it seemed like for eternity, but it wasn't like it wasn't less than a minute, probably. And then it stopped. And I came out, and I looked on the ground, and I could see all these stones. 
And I remember bending over and picking one up, and it was ice cold. But it was a stone. It wasn't ice. It wasn't like it was hail. It was Mm -hmm. a stone. And that was the last time we were ever down at that. She was ever down at that property. We got in the the car for the little flowers that she had already packed away, and she never went back there again. Now, you didn't mention the symbol that was painted on the little light switches there. Did you do any research and find out what those were exactly? Do you know? No. At that time, we didn't. Uh, we didn't have it. We it wasn't like now with the computers you can look things up and things you accessed everything. No, there was really no way I could look it up, and I didn't even think about it at the time because they didn't mean anything to me. They were just scribbles on a wall. They didn't mean anything. It was just a triangle with a little tail. I you know, I didn't know it had a meaning. So when we moved up to the new house, now we'd been here about three about three weeks. And during the three weeks, other than going back down to the house with the rocks, raining rocks on us, everything had been quiet as could be. So we thought, oh, we escaped. It stayed down there. We're away from it now. We're safe. My husband, mother-in-law, were just starting to relax a little bit. Um, then a, a picture upstairs in my mother-in-law's sitting room. She had the Upstairs was a, a bedroom, a bathroom, and like a large sitting room. Um, a picture turned backwards. Now, when she saw that, when my husband, my, actually it was my father-in-law, saw that, we knew it, it had come with us. We knew it was it was with us now. But it still was very low prof- profile. It was just moving things a little bit again. Then the most, it was, to me, this was even stranger than a porch started to happen. I was downstairs we had the master bedroom downstairs at the other end of the house. It's a pretty big house. And my mother-in-law was upstairs, and she was cleaning her bedroom, making the bed. She went in the bath, her bathroom to put clean towels in. She looked up at the mirror, and on the mirror, there was writing. And I remember her yelling for me, and I thought, oh, my goodness, what happened? And I ran upstairs, and something or someone had written on the mirror in soap. It was actually soap from the soap that was sitting there. And I can't, I'm trying to remember what it said the first time, but it was Lee or, or talk to me. That's what it was. Talk to me. It was written on the mirror. Talk to me. Wow. And well, she said, I was up here by myself. She said, no one went into that room. I'm up here alone. She said, it was clean. I was just in the bathroom cleaning. I came back in. And this is written on the mirror. All right. So that's going to do it for part one. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to pick up with part two on our next edition. Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.